0: morning there's a little bit of jingle all the way for your viewing pleasure how many of you guys remember that movie everyone under the age of 30 it's like i don't even know what that was is that the the governor what is he doing in movies just just kidding well um you know christmas season how many of you guys that has been your experience so far you're like i was trying to do christmas shopping that's exactly what happened to me Um, This year, I don't know if you guys know the hottest toy. You know, yeah, I think it's the Hatchimal, right? Everyone's trying to get it. It's an egg, and at some point it hatches some sort of stuffed animal. Luckily, my kids are so young, they don't um, care about the hottest toy yet. (laughs) I'm like, I got you something from the Dollar Tree. (laughs) I'm so excited, right? And then Penny, Penny, she's little, so she's like, a box to sit in. (laughs) I couldn't be happier. Where are the cinnamon rolls, right? But, you know, how many of you guys have, have all of your Christmas shopping done? Whoa, good. How many of you guys love to go Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve? This is a real thing. Yeah, this is a real thing. We have um, some friends, and they love to go Christmas shopping, everything. They don't buy anything until Christmas Eve, and to me, that sounds like a nightmare. You know, that sounds horrible, but hey, if you love it, that's great. I love to get my Christmas shopping done really early because it's stressful to me. So I like to try to get it done like October or September or August. That way, once Christmas comes, I'm like, I'm done. don't have to worry about it. (laughs) I just got to keep the kids away from the ornaments. That's it, right? But, you know, we're so glad to to have everybody here today. So glad to see you. We are um, in this series right now, and we are talking about what does God want for Christmas, right? How many of you guys? You have your list. You have your kids' list. You have your parents' lists. You have your, you know, the mailman's list, right? And and you're you're figuring out what does everybody want for Christmas. But we want to take the next few weeks. We have been talking about. We're going to keep talking about it. What does God want for Christmas? If He had a Christmas list, what would be on it? Um, and so, in the the verse we've been using is Micah six eight, and this is something where the the people they. Are not doing so great, right? God's people—they're not doing well, and God's coming to him and saying, "What are you guys doing? You're you're worshiping idols. You're, you're what are you guys doing?" And they're saying, "Well, what can we tell us what to do, exactly what to do." And Jake talked about this last week. If you were here, give us the do's and don'ts, and you know we can like kill a hundred cows, and we—they just want to do things in order to get right with God. And so God responds to them in Micah six eight, and He says. He has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And, and last week, Jake, he, he did such a great job talking about righteousness, to, to act justly. And I loved it. How many of you guys were here? If you, if you weren't here, you can always listen to it from the website. It was such a good message about righteousness and about not trying to just keep doing more right? But trying to to have the right motivation for what we do for God, the right heart that it comes from love. And today I want to talk to you guys about mercy. It says there in Micah um, to love mercy. But what does mercy mean, right? How many of you guys played that game as kids where you grabbed each other's hands and then you tried to break the other kid's hand? And the first child that yelled, mercy, <laughs> mercy, right? They won. And, and, and you know, a lot of times in church we hear the word mercy. But do we really understand what mercy means? Um, the definition of mercy, I, I love the definition. It says, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Well, I thought that was interesting because a lot of times when I think about mercy, I think about forgiveness maybe, or, you know, I, I, I don't exactly know what mercy means. And I thought it was so interesting in this definition that it's compassion or forgiveness, but it's shown to someone when it's within your power, when you have power over them, when you have the power to punish or harm them. In order to show someone mercy, we have to have power over them right? Even if it's just for a second, like your friend, when you've really got them and you're about to break their fingers, you have that power. And so they yell, mercy, have mercy on me. Please let go of my hands or I'm going to tell mom, right? (laughs) Right? And so um, in in Luke chapter 10, um, there's this beautiful uh, passage that really shows us what mercy is. You know, when um, a, a couple weeks ago, my family, we have three little kids. So we're driving to church and it's early, you know, in the morning and it's a Sunday. So there's not really anyone on the road. And so we're driving and this seagull is like walking. Not flying, but walking across the road like it's no big deal. You know, Sunday morning, no cars, I'm going to walk across the road. And so we're barreling down the road. I'm just kidding, we're not barreling, we're probably driving 25 miles an hour. But we're coming down the road, and Jake, he's just driving, you know, paying attention to the kids. I don't know, they're screaming or something. And he goes, bad idea, bird. (laughs) The kids start losing it, laughing. I mean, cracking up. And if you have ever heard Jack laugh, it's amazing. He just laughs and laughs and laughs. And Penny, she's not even facing forward, right? So she has no idea what's going on, but she still is joining in. Ha, 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 like looking around. We're laughing right now? I'm going to laugh too. And the, the kids, they just thought this was the funniest thing. And so now we say this constantly in the car. Bad idea, bird. There are no birds anymore, but we just say it all the time and and in this verse that we're going to be looking at basically what happens is Jesus he's he's out he's teaching he's healing people he's doing miracles and then it says that a lawyer comes to him and it says in in verse 25 a lawyer stood up and put him to the test now if you're going to put someone to the test I recommend you don't go with Jesus right (laughs) and so when I read this I think bad idea bird Bad idea, bird. I don't know what you were thinking, but bad idea, right? But it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him, talking about Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? How do you interpret it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Right? Well, who do I got to do this to? Who do I have to love as myself? And Jesus replies with this story that is just... A beautiful story. And he says a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And this would have been super familiar to the people of this time because they were living right here. And so they knew exactly, they could picture, Jesus is making up the story, but they can picture what Jesus is saying. Yeah, I've been on that road. I know what he's talking about. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed him on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then he says, Which of these three, talking to the lawyer, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and you do likewise. And this is just such a beautiful picture. And Jesus, what he's doing here is he's telling this story. He doesn't tell us um, who the man was, right? Who gets robbed. Everybody else, he, he tells us what they are there's a Levite, there's a priest. And there's a Samaritan. But the the, the poor robber, he's um we don't know who you are. What what are you? We don't know. We're not worried about it. But he tells us this story when what he's doing is he's saying that the two guys who probably should have helped him didn't. But the Samaritan did. Then the Samaritan in that time, these were people that they had a lot of um, racial problems, right? The Jews, they didn't like the Samaritans and the Samaritans. They didn't really like the Jews. And so when he's saying this, he's saying the person that is the least likely in the story to go out of their way and help someone in your guys's eyes is the person who went, and went out of their way and helped them. And in my Bible, I write in my Bible. I don't know if, if you write in your Bible, but I, I don't know when I wrote this. But it's, I love whenever I read this passage, I wrote on the side what love looks like. this is what love looks like. The Samaritan, it says that he goes to the man. He sees him. I love that part when it says he sees him and he has compassion on him. He doesn't go the other way, but he sees him. And I have to do something, right? You see, mercy when we see people and we see that they need help, that we have help that we can offer them. And when we do it, that's mercy. So many times in our life, we think of mercy as a concept, right? Well, mercy's like, you know, this thing that God does for me. But more than, than a concept, mercy is a verb. Mercy is an action word. Mercy is going out of your way and doing something. So today, what can we give God for Christmas? We can be people who show mercy to the, the world around us. A couple of things that, that I like about this, this passage that he says is, when he saw him, he had compassion, and he went to him. I like this. It says that he went to him. You know, mercy, it doesn't worry about its own schedule. Have you guys ever noticed that when, when you're busy, when I'm busy, that's when people usually need help right? Whenever my schedule is really full, that's when someone needs my help, right? It's, it's never when you're like, I'm, I'm good. God, my schedule's wide open. Send people my way today, right? Then it's like crickets. No one needs your help. But it's, it's when we have our plan, you know? I got to get this Christmas shopping done. I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to do this. I got to do that. That's when there's usually a time that we need to show mercy. And it says that the Samaritan, he went to him. He, he didn't worry about his schedule. He threw away his to-do list, and he stopped what he was doing, and he went to him. The other thing I like about went to him is that um, it shows this man. Can you imagine if you just saw someone that's naked, beaten up, bloody, has nothing? I would be a little worried about helping them. Wouldn't you? What if the robbers are around this rock? You know what I mean? Well, if I'm helping him, what if they come and they attack me? He wasn't worried about his own safety. He, he wanted to help the person. The other thing that I think is interesting is that he didn't care who the man was. I don't care if you're a Samaritan. I don't care if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter. You need help, and that's who you are. Right? He went to him. The other thing... In this verse, it says that he poured on, onto the man, into his wound. He poured on oil and wine, and that's a very bizarre thing. You're like, what are you doing? He was making bruschetta, (laughs) making it into his body, right? But but in that time, this oil, what they would use it for is it was like an antiseptic, right? So he immediately pours the, the, not the oil, I'm sorry, the wine was like an antiseptic. So he pours that on. Why? Because, man, you got some wounds, and I don't want it to get infected. So I'm going to use my wine, and I'm going to pour it on you. And then he has oil. And what's that oil? It's like comfort. And in the same way, you and I, if you believe in Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, you have the antiseptic. You have truth for the wounds that the people around you have. You have the truth in the Bible. So many times we get scared, right? If I help this person, they might ask me a question, and I won't know the answer. Who cares? Right. It doesn't matter. That's that's my fear. What if they ask me something? I don't know the answer. I'll tell them I don't know the answer. (laughs) But I can we can look for it together and we can ask some people and we can find out the answer. Right. But but the Lord says in the Bible, it says that God will give you the words in the moment. God will give you the words in the moment. He will tell you what to say. And so it's so important that us as Christians that we come and we have that wine that we can pour into people's wounds and say, I know the truth. I know the truth and I can help you. But then we also have that oil, right? That comfort that we can say, but, you know, the truth kind of hurts. I'm going to help you out a little bit. <laughs> here's, some, here's also some oil to make it feel a little bit better, right? And that's what the man, he does for him. And then he takes, he takes this broken man and he puts him on his own animal. Right? He doesn't say like, okay, I'm gonna drag you, or okay, you're good. I I gave you, you know, some some bandages, you're gonna be okay, right? The guy's like, No, I'm naked. I'm not okay. (laughs) I don't want to keep going on my own. No, he doesn't. He goes all the way. He says, Here, you take my animal, you take what I have, and I'll walk. And then he brings him to an inn and then he pays his own money. I mean, this guy, he just goes and goes and goes. He makes sure that the man is helped. and then he tells the innkeeper, anything else that happens, I'll pay you. I'm going to come back. I'm going to check. If, it, if there is more money that you need, I'll pay it, right? Because he's making sure he, the guy is completely okay. He's making sure that the man will have everything that he needs. Um, I want to read to you guys this quote, and I, I really love it. It's This, this lady, she wrote this um, article about mercy, but it's really long. But it's so good, I couldn't cut any of it out. So do you guys, you think you can handle it? Okay, all right. For example, mercy, this, she's, she's telling us what mercy is, okay? For example, mercy gives you his seat on the bus, acting as if he was about to get up anyway, rather than making you feel like he is doing you a favor. Mercy does not let out that sigh, you know the one the wordless disapproval towards the person in the checkout line ahead of you whose card didn't swipe, and, or who couldn't find her coupons, or whose toddler is melting down. This is all me. <laughs> this is all me. Mercy offers quiet sympathy and does not convey with her body language that this hold-up is ruining her day. Sometimes Mercy chooses not to send back the food that isn't just right, simply because the waitress looks overwhelmed. When mercy has been wronged, the offended one does not make it difficult for the offender to apologize or to ask for forgiveness. In fact, mercy does not wait for the other's actions, but forgives so quickly that the person needing forgiveness is freer to ask for it. Likewise, at work, at home, or in the classroom, mercy creates an atmosphere in which a person feels safe enough to admit his mistake or ask a question. And if mercy must correct someone, it pains her to do it, and she does so gently, without vindictive relish. Mercy makes a habit of giving others the benefit of the doubt. Mercy is not in the habit of sending deadly glares at people who are annoying Mercy gives charitably, knowing that eventually someone will take advantage of their generosity. Mercy welcomes you, fully aware that this act may disrupt her own plans. Mercy relinquishes control when doing so allows another person to grow and learn. Mercy makes it his business to help others succeed. Mercy clears the way for others so that they can walk on an even path no matter how halting their steps or injured their souls. In all these situations, mercy treats power as a sacred trust. I can be merciful because I have some sort of power that the means to affect another's life if only for a moment. I act mercifully when I use my power to do kindness in the world. That's Vanita Hampton Wright. Isn't that beautiful? You see, even for a moment, sometimes we have power over other people, meaning we have the power to help them. And the truth is, here in the United States, we almost always have power to help someone else, because we're tremendously wealthy, and we're tremendously blessed. And some of you are like, I'm not tremendously wealthy. <laughs> I mean, compared to the rest of the world, right? And. We- and more important than actual wealth, actual finances, if you believe in Jesus, if you've asked him to be your savior, that means you are tremendously wealthy. Because you have the God of the whole universe on your side, right behind you, helping you out. Isn't that incredible? Mercy. In Matthew twenty-five, thirty-one. Jesus was saying this and he said when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left then the king will say to the sheep on his right come You who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison And you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. So what's what's one of the greatest presents we can give God? this Christmas, to show other people mercy. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you know, all these sheep, you did so good, you fed me, you clothed me, you helped me, you visited with me. And They're saying, Jesus, I don't remember ever doing that for you, <laughs> right? No, when you did it for anyone who is lesser than you, you did it for me. And that's who God tells us to show mercy to every day, to begin to open our eyes to the world around us. And to be able to see that poor man who's been robbed. To be able to see him. And some of us, it's for the first time. Oh, I never noticed these homeless people. Oh, I never noticed these hungry kids. I never noticed before. But to allow God to slow you down enough to notice the people around you. And then to begin to move and to act. And to show them love. To show them mercy. Um, I wrote down... Where, where can I show mercy? Three areas, you know, this holiday season and honestly, for the rest of our lives. What are some areas that I can show mercy? And the first one I put down, and I'm just going to give you guys a few different thoughts, a few different needs around the world, but honestly, there's plenty, right? <laughs> but the, the first place that every single one of us can show mercy is globally. Globally, we can show mercy mercy. Did you know that 12 million, that's half of the population of North Korea, they live in extreme poverty, extreme Poverty. I was watching this documentary once um, on, on North Korea and, and um, I think Jake walked in and was like, what are you doing? Because the first five minutes, all they were talking about and showing footage of, and it's of course it's it's stolen footage, right? Because they don't allow cameras in, in North Korea, so it's like, you know, like cameras that are in someone's bag or or whatever, so it's bad footage. But for the first five minutes, all they're showing footage of is children who are orphans who live in the street. In the freezing cold, in the snow, and so I'm watching this, and I start, I'm like trying not to cry, I'm trying not to lose it, right? And Jake walks in, he's like, "What are you watching?" I'm like, "Documentary on North Korea." (laughs) He's like, "Why?" (laughs) You know? And I and I told him, I looked at him, I said, "They need to change the subject, or I'm going to have to turn it off because it was hurting me too much to see it." And it was a little boy; he was like eight or nine years old, and he was taking care of his two or three-year-old sister, living outside. And we can show mercy. 2,000 baby girls are murdered at birth. Once they're born, they're murdered in India every day simply because they were born as girls and not boys. We can show mercy. We can act globally. There's 27 million slaves worldwide. There's more slaves today than there's ever been, which is unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. But there's 27 million slaves worldwide. 22% of those are trapped in sexual slavery. And over 26% are children. We can do something. We can show mercy. Second place, where can I show mercy? Locally. Right here. Right in Eugene. There are so many areas that we can show mercy. Did you know that every night in Eugene, there's an average of 700 teenagers? sleeping on the streets. 700 teens right here in our city that don't have a home. And You know, it doesn't matter what we think. Oh, they're not homeless, they're houseless. Who cares? They're sleeping on the streets. And we can show them mercy. Do you know it only takes three nights? That's what they say, three nights for a teenager that's on the street, three nights, and that's how long it'll be until they're propositioned for sex. And if you're hungry? And if you're cold and if you're scared, what are you gonna do? But try to get someone to help you. Let's be the people that will help these people. Oh, there's an average of over 7,500 foster kids in Oregon, and a lot of them don't have homes. 7,500! These are our orphans, and they don't have homes. I'm sure many of you guys read over the summer when all of the scandal was coming out about our foster care system and how all of these DHS workers were saying, we've been putting them in hotels or letting them sleep in our offices because we don't have homes for them. We can do something locally. Oregon has one of the highest child hunger rates in the country. Over 57% of our kids in our schools, they qualify for free or reduced fare lunches. The kids are hungry. We can do something. We can do something. How about personally, the last place that you can show mercy personally? Show mercy to your neighbor that you've been having this weird silent feud with. Show mercy. Forgive them. Bake them some cookies. Show them Jesus' love. Forgive them before they say they're sorry. Show forgiveness to your family member that you've been stubbornly waiting for them to say sorry first. Show them forgiveness. That's mercy. Live a life where you make it easy for people to say they're sorry to you. I love that part of her quote where you're the kind of person that forgives so quickly that you make it easy for others to say you're sorry. Show mercy to your spouse instead of railing on them about the garbage, once again piling up. Show mercy. This is what God tells us to do. I love that verse in Micah that we're, that we're going through. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. God, he's laid the path in front of you, what you need to do. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Love mercy. We should be a people. It should be said of Joy Church that, man, they love. They're a church, and they love people. Why? Because we love mercy, and we want to show it to people. We want to show it to the world around us. In the Bible, when it talks about that we are the body of Christ, this is what it's saying is that if you are a Christian, when you go and you show love, when you give people food, when you, when you are easy and quick to forgive, when you show kindness to workers in stores, you're literally being the hands and the feet of Jesus. And that's what we're called to do, is to go out in our world and to make a difference and show them what God's love looks like. Show them by walking in mercy. Mother Teresa, we all know her, she gave her life to the, the poor in Calcutta. And when she was asked about the poor, she said, every, each one of them is Jesus in disguise. What, what motivates our love for people? It's easy when you think each one of them is Jesus in disguise. Of course I want to show them love. You know, Christmas is the time when the greatest mercy was shown to each and every one of us. That we, we were dead in our sins. Our sin is just the bad things that we've done, right? Lying, stealing, coveting, lusting, all the horrible things that we don't want to mention that every single one of us has done. And it separated us from our relationship with God. But on that day, Christmas Day, God showed us mercy. He had the power over us and we deserved it. He deserved to punish us for our sin. And yet on that day when that baby, Jesus, was born, that's what was happening is God was saying, I'm going to show the greatest amount of mercy this world has ever seen. And Jesus, that tiny baby, grew into a man he didn't sin. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, and yet he never did wrong. And then at the end of his life, when he died on that cross, what was happening? God was saying the punishment for everyone else's sin. You didn't do this sin, Jesus. But the punishment for everyone else's sin is going on you. What mercy for us, for me, for you. That's what Christmas is. That's why we celebrate. Jesus was born this day. And that's why we're so happy, right? Because no greater mercy has been shown to us. So how about this year we go out and we show others mercy? Go out there and say, God, open my eyes to where I can show some more mercy in the world. You know, real quick, every week we know we want to give an opportunity. If you're in this place and you're saying, I'm not a Christ follower yet. I don't totally understand what it means. You know, it's simple. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth, I think you have it backwards, that Christ rose him from the dead, you will be saved. All it means, all it says, if you believe in Jesus, you believe he's God, you believe he rose from the dead, you can be saved. And today, you know, if everyone of you want to close your eyes, if you're here and you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, I want to put my faith in Jesus, would you raise your hand? We don't want to embarrass you. Thank you. We don't want to embarrass you. It's not embarrassing at all, in fact, because all of us in this room have already done this. And there's no greater day of our life than the day that we chose Jesus. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. All right, If everyone, if you'll repeat after me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming. God, thank you for showing me mercy, for sending your Son to die for me. Thank you. I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. Here's my life. Teach me to live it right. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, for the the rest of us, I just want to say a prayer, you know, I I'm preaching to myself. I want God to use me to be his hands and feet. You know, and it doesn't come out of out of compulsion, right? This is what I have to do because they said so. No, and it comes out of love. We've been shown such a great mercy, and we in turn can show others mercy. I'm going to pray for you real quick. Jesus, I just thank you so much for the people in this room, God. Lord, I pray you will open our eyes, Lord, when we're in the store, when we're at the grocery store, when we're dropping our kids off at school, when we're at work, when we're driving to wherever it is that we need to go and in our own homes, God, that we will be people that show mercy, God, that will show others, man, I'm going to love you even though you are being ate booger nose. I'm going to love you anyways because I have the power over you and I can do that. Not power in a bad way, but saying I know better and Jesus has shown me mercy and I will show you mercy. Lord, open our eyes and help us to open up our hands and begin to show mercy in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.